times of the morning and afternoon, you have to slow down, don't you? To 40, isn't that right? Here's honesty time. Who's ever been caught by police not doing something more than 40? Oh, thank you, couple. <laughs> but we need to slow down, don't we? We've got to slow down as we go through those, those particular areas. And it's easy sometimes, uh, particularly if anybody knows the area of coming down to West Primary School, off the, the, you come down at that hill and you've got to put the brakes on. You go from 60 to 40, otherwise you will be caught. So uh, we want to, just the title, I don't often give you the titles of our messages, but this morning we will. I want to turn to Luke, and I haven't forgotten the offering, haven't forgotten it, we'll do it later. Is that okay? I just felt this was more important. Is that okay? Righto. Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42. Let's turn in our Bibles, we've got it on the screen. We love you to read your own Bible. I think it's always brilliant to bring your own Bible to church, but for those who may have forgotten or your iPhone doesn't work all of a sudden, here it is, Luke chapter 10, up on the screen. This is the passage of Scripture where Jesus is having, uh, has gone into the house of Mary and Martha, their sisters, uh, and, uh, and some, uh, there's a conversation that happens between Jesus and Mary and Martha, and it's an interesting conversation, and it goes like this. Now, it happened as they went that Jesus or he or Jesus entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached Jesus or him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. We can all relate to this scene, because most of us within this week will have a time when we'll sit around a table with possibly most of us family, some of us maybe not family, maybe friends or relatives, but Sometime this week, you'll sit around a table and have a meal and a conversation with someone around the table. It's no different in Jesus' day. That's what he did. They needed to eat. And so often, he would sit, he'd go to someone's place and they'd have a meal. And in the context of that meal or before the meal or after the meal, Jesus have an opportunity to talk and share with people. That's what's happening here. Mary uh, takes it on herself to straight away sit at Jesus' feet and listen to what he has to say. Martha, of course, takes the opportunity to prepare the meal. There was Martha wrong in preparing a meal. Praise God for all those people who prepare meals. I am glad. Sometimes I prepare a meal once a couple every now and then, not often, but my beautiful wife, she loves preparing meals. And a meal's a great thing. And so praise God for people who give us food, okay, and prepare meals. And sometimes we can look at this passage and say, well, Martha, you've done the wrong thing. No, she just was doing a necessary thing, but not the most, not the most important thing. So meal preparing's fine. Just maybe the timing was wrong. Certainly in regards to what Jesus said to her, we can, we can see that. And, you know, that brings me to the thought that we live in a busy world, don't we? You know, we start early finish late because we want to fit in more time, but you can't fit in more time into a 24-hour period. 24 hours is 24 hours. Um, we sometimes want to cram time in. Uh, we want to do, we want more time. Solomon said something really important in the, there's a book in the Bible Solomon wrote and, and he says, there is a time for everything. 
There's a time to die, a time to laugh, a time to cry, a time to live. There's a time for everything. And in God's picture, I want you to understand, no matter how much you think you haven't got enough time, God really has given you enough time for everything in life. It's just that we've got to sometimes work out why we're not getting everything, all that we want to do. Maybe because its priorities aren't right or whatever, but there is a time for everything in life that we need to do. All the important things anyway... And sometimes I think that, you know, we could, if we were to use the analogy of a car, a car on the average, its motor is about 4,000 revolutions every 60 seconds. If you take a racing car, it's about 10,000 revolutions every 60 seconds. And I think that while we're supposed to just kind of idle at around 4,000 revolutions and go through life, I think sometimes we live at the pace of a race car at 10,000 revolutions every second. And I tell you what, that will destroy you, won't it? It won't do you good to live life at such a hectic pace. And I'm not talking necessarily physically, and it will affect you physically, but internally, you just can't live life rushing from point to point and situation to situation. We've got to, everybody say it with me, we've got to slow down. We've got to slow down. And that's not slowing down to become lazy. I'm just talking about we've got to realize we've got to slow down. I want to say this morning, the arch enemy of spiritual authenticity or spiritual genuineness is busyness. I've discovered that in life. Uh, which is closely tied to something else the Bible calls worldliness, and that is getting caught up with society's agendas, objectives, and activities to the point of neglecting or um, putting God out of the picture. There's nothing wrong with the objectives and uh, things that we do in the world necessarily, but when we neglect and we put God out, we think, well, it's okay, but really what happens is it's an arch enemy of having any type of spiritual genuineness and faith in your own heart when we continually keep so busy that God gets second best or, at worst, nothing at all of our lives. So anyway, anyway you look at the key to spiritual genuineness, I want to say it's time. It's giving time not leftover time, not if I have time, not, quality, not, not, um, uh, not some other time, but it's quality time, unhurried, unrushed time to a Heavenly Father. You cannot be an authentic Christian, I believe, in a diet of constant activity. And even if the activity is even um, serving God in some way, if that continually takes you, you know you can serve God, but never spend time with God. And I've had to learn, and as many have, that I can't continue to function on service without sacrifice of relationship or time with Him. And I, I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, we've got to be careful. Um, Daniel, you know, there's this wonderful old, little old book in the end of the Old Testament. It's called Daniel, and many of us know Daniel because he was the guy thrown into the lion's den. And, and of course, Daniel had learned something about life. He was, remember, he was like um, one of three guys who were the two I see in all of Babylonia. So he's got, you would have to agree on a daily basis, Daniel would be a busy man. You don't stand in leadership if you've not got things to do. Is that right? And Daniel, even he knew that he had to establish and maintain 
in this busyness of life, a relationship with God. And so it says in Daniel that he would three times a day, as was his custom, talk to God in, the, in this upper room in his house. He'd spend time in God's presence. He knew that. And so that's why he was such an authority on it. And, and in Daniel chapter eleven thirty two, he wrote this. He says, the people who know their, um, sorry, know their God shall be strong and do what? Great exploits. And, you know, sometimes I've read that verse around the other way. I'll do great exploits and then I'll, and I'll come to know God. No, it never happens that way. And I don't necessarily say it. I, sometimes my actions kind of reveal that. We think we could do great things, but never, then God will be pleased with us and He will bless us. No, He possibly will still, but the reality is if I would just know my God, then I'll see incredible things happen. This passage in Luke chapter 10 fascinates me because the passage, the verses before Luke 10 are all about this parable Jesus told. And you know the parable, it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. The preceding verses to Luke chapter 10, 38 to 42, and and Jesus was talking about this parable and he shares the story of this man who was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and and thieves jumped on him, beat him up, stole everything and just left him half dead on the side of the road. And and then, of course, there's some, you know, um, dignitaries come past, priests and Levites, and and two or three people come past and they'll look and say, I haven't got time. I'm busy, got to go and worship God. Isn't that epitome of what Christianity is not? Got to go and serve God, but I can't be bothered spending time helping someone else come to know God. I've got to go and do my thing. Anyway, those people uh, neglected this man who was dying, but there was a Samaritan who Jesus calls the good Samaritan. And if you knew anything about history, you'll know that the man who was a Jew on the side of the road and the Samaritans were at odds with each other. And yet this Samaritan, knowing that, still reaches out to help his enemy. And not that he was a total enemy, but they did hate each other, the Samaritans and the Jews. And that's another story. But so he helps him. And what happens is the Samaritan quite literally has to change his agenda for the day. He has to slow down. He's on his way to Jericho, but somewhere else, he has to slow down. He picks this man up. He bandages his wounds. He, he ministers to him. He puts him on his own donkey. He takes him to an inn. He, he looks after him that night. And then he put, and he, and the whole day is, is lost. Well, that's what we may think. But he changes his agenda. He slows down from his agenda. He slows down enough to acknowledge that there's a person in need. He slows down from what he thought he was going to do that day. And he gets that place where he does God's agenda. And of course, the next day, he tells the innkeeper to look after this man. And he'll pay him later on for anything else he has to do to care for this man. And he continues on his journey. But he's slowed his life down to the point where he's... He could see the need. And so it's interesting, isn't it, that this Good Samaritan is really shrouded in this whole element. I don't know if you've ever seen it, that this man was willing to slow down. Straight after Mary and Martha incident with Jesus, there's another story right after the verses, after this story in Luke chapter 10. And it's Jesus talking to the disciples. And what Jesus is talking to the disciples about is prayer. 
They say, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And Jesus says, yeah, I'll teach you to pray. So he gives them the Lord's Prayer, a pattern of prayer. And he outlines this whole pattern of prayer. And it's, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, blah, blah. And, you know, it's interesting that I've discovered, and you would know, that prayer, if we're going to give, prayer takes time with God, doesn't it? Would you agree? It takes time in the day to actually pray. It's not just slowing down to pray also, but it's also seeing it as an integral part of every day, not an optional extra. It's not an optional, it's it's an integral part that God wants of our day. That we would just talk to him about life and pray. So Luke chapter 10, if you read the whole chapter, it's quite a long chapter. It's shrouded in the principle of slowing down to help, slowing down to live life, slowing down to save lives. Slowing down to pray, slowing down uh, just to do life so much better. I'm not talking slowing down to be lazy or to be, um, you know, just do your own thing. But I'm talking about just giving moments of life where you just consider, have time to think. See, uh, the thing that I find that really suffers for me when I continually live at the racing car type of pace is my prayer time with God. I seem to have always time to eat. I always seem to have time to maybe watch the news. And there's nothing wrong with any of those activities. But it's interesting what suffers. And I've got to get out of that. And, you know, when I'm living at the racing car, 10,000 revolutions a minute, and life is just screaming through, and I'm thinking I'm doing so well, because I find that when I lack that time with God, I lack peace, passion, power, and whatever P that is appropriate, you could put in there. But I lack, when I have time with God, I have peace that even in the stresses of life, the peace that comes into my life is incredible because I've given the day to God. I have passion. You know, it's amazing. I have a passion, but when I come near to God, He gives me His passion. And sometimes my passion is nowhere near as important as His. And I find I readjust and realign my life to where God wants me to go. And power, well, man, you can live in the Holy Spirit. We can see His presence and power touching other people's. When I have prayer, I have power. When I don't have prayer, no power. Pretty simple equation. I forfeit all of that for busyness. So today, let me just spend a moment or two. Let's just talk about this passage where Jesus spoke to Mary and Martha. Is that okay? And we're going to talk, save lives, slow down. Come on. Save lives, slow down. Let me just just draw some thoughts from this particular conversation between Mary, Martha, and Jesus. Because I want to talk about when I slow down and pray, what happens? When I slow down and pray, I want to talk about what unfolds in our lives, what can happen. And I understand this morning, no, not one of us would purposely go through life and think that I never want to talk to God, I never want to pray. No, quite the contrary. We all want to be at, do that at different times in different ways. It's important. But I find that life, we've got to just assess sometimes. And maybe today, if nothing else, is a time of reflection for all of us just to consider and weigh up life. See, when I slow down to pray, family relationships go so much better. And you think, oh, well, that's not such a big point. But it is incredibly important when you think about it. We are established and created for relationship, aren't we? This this weekend, I've had a lack of relationship because my precious wife turned 50, not this year, 
but last year, and she's still having the party. <laughs> she had 12 months partying. Every month, she'd done something different. She says, I don't want a big party for my 50th. I want to do something different every month of last year. And it's just that she didn't get to do this one, so she's doing it now. And what she did was she got all our daughters together, and she's spending time with them. They've gone to Agnes for the weekend, and they'll be home this afternoon for tonight's meeting. But Gabriel flew up, and Simone and Lydia together. And every time I ring them, they're laughing, so that's a good sign. But meanwhile, little old me is at home... I know, I feel sad, sorry, it's fine. <laughs> now, I'm at home and I start to think, because I'm constantly got women in my life. Don't worry, I didn't try to find any other women. <laughs> but I'm sitting at home and I had, and first of all, I was really excited because I got the whole house to myself. Mind you, two dogs, and they're both ladies as well. But I had the whole house to myself, so I'm sitting at home thinking, this is brilliant. I can turn the news up as loud as I like because the old hearing isn't as good as it used to be. And I'm thinking, no one is here to say, turn it down. I can eat what I like. Folks, I have had three pies, <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken, and, and, and Pepsi Max. Man, I'm having a great weekend. Mind you, my body doesn't feel so good about that, so I better change my diet. This afternoon, it's lettuce and tomato, yep. But, you know, the reality is I've been able to do what I want to do. And, you know, for a while there on Saturday, yesterday, I'm, I'm enjoying myself. And then the afternoon and the night hit in and there's no one to talk to. And I'm like, you know what? What would happen if my, when my daughters all leave home and my, if my wife ever, God forbid, passed away before me? What would I do? And I started to think about these things. And I started to think, man, you've got to find, you know, you got to make sure you build good relationships, not just with your family. So I just, I just realized, I had this revelation moment that family is really important. Have you ever had that? Obviously, Michelle's not missing me as much as missing her because I'm ringing her and she's not ringing me, but that's okay. <laughs> I understand that. I'm having this reflective moment this weekend. You know, <laughs> families are important, but I, I just want to draw it back to the reality that I've discovered that the arch enemy of families is busyness and not slowing down to appreciate and uh, encourage one another. Mary and Martha, let's just turn to that story. We better draw something about this point from the story. Um, Verse 39 actually just says, says this. It's interesting. It says, Mary also sat down at Jesus' feet. Look at that little word, also. Isn't that a thought that we sometimes can miss this point in this little story? But there were other people that day sitting at Jesus' feet. It just wasn't Mary sitting at Jesus' feet. It says, Mary also sat at Jesus' feet. So it wasn't Mary and Jesus by themselves. There was a little crowd of people, maybe up to 10 people. I don't know. Maybe more, maybe less. But we see only one is mentioned by name, and that was Mary. And Mary is the only one who is mentioned by Martha when she complains to Jesus. Martha didn't mention the other people when she had a complaint. She, didn't, she wasn't upset with them sitting down there and talking to Jesus, was she? she was, Martha was just upset with who? Mary sitting at Jesus' feet and talking and not helping her. It's interesting, isn't it? Martha didn't have the same expectation of the others as she did of Mary. 
She had an expectation. And often I find in families, we have expectations of our family members, and some of those expectations are realistic expectations, and they're good expectations. But also we need to understand that some expectations of our families can be unrealistic. And I want to tell you how you can find out the difference between your expectations on your family, whether they're realistic or unrealistic, is sometimes just spending time in talking to God about your family members and praying for them. Those family members that do you wrong, even within the context of realistic expectations you need have on them, you need to give grace on our part to still love them and prayer helps us to have that grace. Because I want to say as parents, sometimes our kids don't need, when they've grown up and making all the wrong decisions, they don't need your wrath. They just need to know that they can come home one day. Sometimes husbands and wives... You've got to get over the point and the fact that your wife and your husband is not perfect. You just need to realize something about them. That, that's a reality. You married them. You live with them. You love them. And I want to tell you, how do you face some of the imperfect parts of a marriage? You, start, you pray. I want to say pray. Just slowing down, not just to be with your family, but to be with your heavenly Father, helps you be able to conduct relationships so much better when you start to pray for them. See, one of the greatest destroyers, as I said, of families is not just business, but I also believe it's prayerlessness. I think it's still true that a family that prays together stays together. You might say, well, I can't pray with my family. They're non-Christians. Well, just pray for them if you can't pray with them. Because it does something in our, our attitude and our mindset about how we need to give grace. See, the easiest people I've discovered in my life the easiest people for me to be critical of are those who are closest to me. And when I pray, I find so much more harmony. Mind you, I want to just warn you that sometimes when you start to pray for your family, all hell can't also break loose because darkness and light are uh, just sometimes smashing together. And your prayer is light. And that is don't give up. Don't give up. Because your family is not the enemy Okay, so peace can rule where prayer is happening. Amen. As I consider this story with Martha and Mary, not only when I pray does my family go better, but when I pray, my attitudes are more balanced in life. My attitudes are more balanced. See, verse 40, it just says, Lord... Um, Martha says, Lord, do you not care? Do you not care? <laughs> Far out. Have you ever said that to God? God? God, do you really care? It's a good question. I don't think God's too upset with you asking it. As long as you realize he does. But do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I'm serving you all alone. Therefore, tell her to help me. Martha was playing the part of the victim here. Now, you mightn't think that, but I could just see below the surface a bit. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve all this work by myself? And, and you know, Lord, I'm the one left with the responsibility. I'm the one, you know, and sometimes I, it becomes a little bit of the victim attitude that I think is so destructive to our lives. So destructive. 
The world will always be a nasty place, folks. And it will always be the fault of some event. It's always the fault of someone else or it's always the fault of something else. Until you come to the feet of Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to infiltrate your life in prayer, you'll never see the world any different. But I want to see the world different. It's not that it's always their fault or it's its fault. I want, to, I want to face the reality of my part in this. And in prayer, we often can allow that can happen. Because Martha had this, she was upset. Look, and we maybe need to give her some grace. She was working in the kitchen by herself. And, you know, it, it was a, you know, she's trying to juggle all these jobs. It's just that she realized she didn't need to do it right then. She could have sat with Mary and feet of Jesus. And later they all could have helped. Wouldn't that be better? See, the natural reaction to see the fault of others before we see the need in our own hearts is a natural reaction. But, you know, we need more than natural reactions. We need spiritual reactions to how we cope with what we see as unjust and unfair in life. Because all of you have had an unjust and unfair thing happening. And here's a thought. Have you ever thought that the change you want to see in someone else may take you first checking your own life and changing first before you'll ever see the change in someone else? And as we pray, and we start to examine, not just pray for someone else, but because I can get awful good at praying for everybody else and say, God, change them and do this and do that and do that. But then, you know, when we really, if we really get down to it, sometimes God's saying, would you also allow your life to be changed? As we come in to prayer and we allow God that opportunity, that's what will happen. In actual fact, the irritating thing that they do that you don't like might just be the irritating, just might be irritating to us because we have an issue that we have to deal with. So someone, you know, those irritating things that you have to deal with, maybe it's something in your life that needs to change. And prayer allows us the opportunity just to be able to get a grab, you know, a handle on that. Um. Sometimes, as I said, our prayer is all about everybody else. You know, I like the, the, uh, Luke chapter 10 talks about Mary and Martha, but Luke chapter 15 is a brilliant chapter too. And Luke chapter 15 talks about this, um, the prodigal son, the younger son, the lost son, whatever son you want to call him. He, he took his father's inheritance because his father was quite wealthy. And his older brother uh, didn't do this, but he did this, of course. And the story unfolds as he took his father's inheritance. He wasted it. He blew his life. He wasted all his money. And he was broke, as in no money. But he was not only broke, he was also came to the point where he was broken. And when he was broke and broken, that is, no money, and his heart was softened, he came back to his father because he initially said in Luke chapter 15, verse 12, give me my inheritance. It's almost an arrogant and proudful proclamation he makes. Give me my inheritance. Give me. Arrogance, pride. But when he came back and in verse 19, it was a total different attitude. Because prayer, as I said, prayer, prayer was my title. When you slow down to pray, attitudes become so much more balanced. And so in, in verse 12, it was, give me. In verse 19, he said, make me one of your hired servants. And I want to tell you one of the... He had come to a point where that, that word make means to develop, mold, and 
build something new in a life. And that's what he was saying to his father. Father, would you just actually turn this all around? Would you start to make me? Would you start to develop me different? Would you start to let me be molded? He says, make me just a hired servant. And so it was so different to his arrogant attitude weeks, months, years before. Now it's so different. And I want to tell you in prayer that there's two qualities that we need that will just thrill the heart of God when we come to him is surrender and humility. When we come, in actual fact, I've come to an understanding in this last six months that, that they, are, they are not just a take-it-or-leave-it quality in life. We need them desperately in our lives because pride and arrogance will destroy your life. Surrender to God and humility will build your life. And it doesn't make you weak. It makes you meek, but it makes you strong. Humbly living out before and in prayer. And often when I come and I want to pray for somebody, my family, or God, change them, I hear this little inner voice saying, just humble yourself and see that maybe the change you're looking at for them is something that you need to have happen in your life. In actual fact, the very fact that this change hasn't happened in someone else's life that I want to see happen is, often, is, obviously, is sometimes an indication. It's a, it's a, it's a sign uh, that's sticking out to me and God speaking to me and saying, it's a sign that you have to change. That's why that hasn't changed. And it all happens in that place where I just surrender my heart to a Heavenly Father and just start to humbly walk with Him. Here's the third thing I want to say this morning. When I slow down to pray, I hear what God is saying. Verse 39. Jesus sat down at Jesus' feet and heard his word. When was the last time you really distinctly just heard God just giving you wisdom and direction? It doesn't come, you know, obviously through audible voices, but it does come as you read his word, as you just sit there sometimes. You just, the inner thought, it can be dreams. It can be just thoughts. You know, the Bible, it can be Several things like that. Other people just speaking encouragement. This morning, just a, a simple little word of knowledge like that for maybe other people. Oh, that stake in the ground. We've got to get rid of it. I reckon that's brilliant. God's speaking maybe to people this morning. You know. So often we can want answers from God on the run. And I'm not saying that God doesn't give you answers because he's gracious to us. He doesn't give us answers on the run. Sometimes he does. But what is the answer Sometimes we've just got to, more than often, we need to slow down to actually hear the reply. And we never implement any of his plans because we're not listening. And you know, when we're traveling so fast in life, and metaphorically in a car, when you're traveling so fast, sometimes you don't see, you miss the scenery, but also you miss the sense of where you're going and why you're going there. And that can happen in life. You can miss the sense of where you're going when you're just traveling through life. You're never slowing to a point of actually breathing and reflecting on life. You just, I'm going to reach this goal and hit that one and just go for another goal and another goal. But when you slow down a little bit to reflect and pray and hear God, you know, he might just find you that that's not the goal he really wants you to aim at. He just wants to adjust your life. I find in prayer, God continually adjusts my life. Sometimes it's not a lot, but it is a little bit just to give me a better, a different viewpoint, a different thought and how I need to do life. Um, he wants to adjust us. This, this um, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, is one of my all-time favorite two verses in the Bible. And, you know, some might say, don't have a favorite verse, but anyway, that's fine. The Bible's full of favorite verses, isn't it? 
But Romans 12, 1 to 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to test and prove what, what is God's good God's will in His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I read that and, I, and we say, God's good, perfect plan for my life, His will. Well, amen, that's brilliant. I want that. But, you know, so often I've discovered that I think God's good and perfect plan for my life is through me asking and making requests of Him. And I say, God, if your perfect plan is right, who am I going to marry? Um, mind you, these are not questions I ask anymore, but you might. Um, not, who am I going to marry? God, what job do you want me to take? God, should I leave this town? Uh, God, would you change that person? God, would you sort my boss out? They're so grumpy. And it's all a whole heap of requests. Nothing wrong with any of those requests. But let me just tell you how God really works. But here is His will. His will, before He answers any of your requests and, and questions, His will is, come on, it says it in the verse, bring your body as a living sacrifice, tra- let your mind be transformed, let your inner man uh, be changed. Isn't it interesting? Spend time on the molding table of the potter's wheel. That little wheel. You ever seen a person with a lump of clay and they throw it on the wheel and they put water on there and they mold it with their hands? And so often that's what God says. He says that, I think in Jeremiah, someone can um, correct me, but he says, you know, I'm the potter, you're the clay. And, and so often we, can, we want God to give us concrete answers in life. We want him to tell us where to go, what to do, who to marry. We want neon signs in the sky. But he's saying to us, I won't give you concrete answers because often you discover the concrete answers when you allow your mind to be transformed. You know the right decision to make because you are in my presence in prayer and there in that place, I, you can discover what is the right answer. Does anybody kind of grab that this morning? We say, give me concrete answers. God said, I'm going to give you concrete character so you can make right answers, you know, make right choices and decisions. Hmm. So much. Hmm. I call Romans 12 the transformation time through prayer. And just like Mary... Stick around long enough and you'll hear his voice. But rush into life, rush through life, and we won't hear. We'll just continue to do our own thing. Let me just share the last thought and we'll finish with this. Slowing down helps us to see what really is the issue in our lives. Okay, now you might think I've said that already, but let me share with you. Verse 40, Martha, it says, was distracted with much what? Hello, Are you le- verse 40 says, Martha was distracted with much serving. It's not there. <laughs> no wonder you can't see it. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> serving. Thank you, Everybody, all those who have their own Bible. But serving really isn't the problem in Martha's life. To be honest, sometimes busyness and serving is not the real problem or the issues in our life at all. It's not the problem. Here's the reason for our busyness. That there's something that runs a little deeper sometimes than just the busyness of life. Uh, it, and, and this is for Martha, that was the case, because in verse 41, Jesus says, 
Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. So serving wasn't the issue so much. It was the worry and trouble in her heart about other situations that were affecting her. And what worry, worry, worry and troubles are fairly self-explanatory. But let me just add to it and break it down a bit. It means to have cares. It means to be disturbed. It means to be anxious. And the word anxious even further means a Greek word which means to divide into parts. And if there's one thing that I see about my life and our lives and people's lives is when we have anxiety, it divides peace from uh, worry. It divides us. We want to be at peace, but we've got this worry. We want to have hope, but we're concerned. We've got fear. We want to have faith, but we have fear. So we see that what happens is that Jesus is talking to Martha, and while she is serving, serving isn't the issue. See, we can have all types of issues, but busyness hides the issues and hides the opportunity for us to face the issues. And sometimes I've discovered that I can keep busy so I don't have to face the issue. Do you know what I mean? I just keep busy, 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 because I don't want to face that. Slowing down to talk to God would mean facing it. I don't want to do that, so I'm going to keep, be, keep busy. And meanwhile, it distracts you from the real pain and the real hurt in our lives. And we put it, in, put it another way. Busyness is just a front for things we don't want to face on occasions. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you busyness. Hmm. How fast today is your engine revving? Because when you slow down, you can save lives. Yours, number one, and even others. We can't run our lives at the racing car speed all the time. Now, there'll be some times where we just have to keep... We, there's, there's some intense moments in the day or week that we've got to do something and get it fulfilled. That's fine. But we can't live at that level all the time. Some of the problems we face, maybe if we would just slow down and spend time and just talk to them about, but just in prayer, maybe they wouldn't be such a bigger problem. I've discovered that I cannot travel without until I travel within. I can't continue to live out here if I don't live in here. There's not some life in here. And let me share a story and we'll finish this morning. I, um, before um, I had the privilege of serving the Lord as a pastor here in this church, I actually did have a, another job, and it was a job at the Gladstone Power Station. And some of you maybe heard this some years ago, so forgive me, but please just work with me. But there was, I, was, I was placed in the engineering, I got a job in the engineering section, I was a mechanical technical officer, and I was placed with another guy who, I was about 20... Um, I was about 24 or 25, and he was about 35, 36. He was at least 10 years older than me. And he was supposed to be my mentor, and he was the guy who was supposed to. He was another mechanical technical officer working with the engineers. Both of us worked. But he was supposed to mentor me and show me the, everything around the power station. And he was the utmost, he was the grumpiest person out of 880 people in the whole power station. And I got to have him as my mentor. Now, you might say, are you really exaggerating? No, folks, he was the grumpiest person in the power station. People would look at me and say, you got him? And as the months unfolded, I mean, he would, he would walk out of the office. 
He wouldn't even tell me, and I was expected just to follow. Not beside him, behind him. He looked, he told me, he said, I am not really interested in you in any way, shape, or form. So if you're going to learn, mate, just follow. Otherwise, do your own thing, because I don't care. I said, oh, thank you, yeah. (laughs) Two years is a long time to hang around a guy like that. I started to resent the situation. I started to feel like the victim. So I thought I'd start to pray. But you know how I prayed? I prayed, change him, Lord, change him, change him, change him. I don't like him, just change him, change him. Oh, this is my prayer. And you know what? Something changed, but it wasn't him. And it wasn't, and it wasn't as far as I know, this precious guy is still the same way. Because he didn't change in the two years I know him. But I tell you who did change, me. And I started to work out after about 12 months that I needed to change my prayer and start to actually pray blessing over his life. I needed to just start to just see him differently. I needed to actually smile, even though he would clench his teeth at me. I just needed to do things differently. And I needed to swallow my pride and my attitude and get rid of my victim mentality and just start to walk with this guy and draw where I could from him and do life a lot more happier. And I was gonna, and, and when I started to do that, I started to enjoy the position I was in. I started to enjoy it to the point where oh, this is okay. He didn't change, but it certainly changed me. But it was, through the, the, it was through the tears of prayer that God done something in my life and changed me as I just said, God, I don't like this guy. And you know, when I was all getting it just together in the last six months, I got transferred out of that section and put in another engineering section eventually. And I had the best tech officer as my mentor there. And I said to God, why didn't you give me this guy at first? And then I could have maybe handled this guy. And God said, no, you wouldn't have. And you know, this is not word to word, but God said, what? What? And never allow you to chance to grow up? No way. It was good for you because you learned to build a genuine relationship with me that's worth a lot more than any problem you face. I said, okay. I thought you were going to say it, you helped me to build a genuine help me to actually love this guy. He said, no, 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 no. That's, loving people is secondary to loving me. And when you learn to live with me and love me and have a relationship with me, even in the difficulty, then loving your neighbor becomes so much easier. I said, really, God? Is that what you mean in the scripture when it says, love your neighbor as you, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then love your neighbor? He said, yeah. So today, I just want to say, would you slow down and save a life, yours? Can we stand together? We're finished. I want to just pray for you. Heavenly Father, today, we just thank you. And Father, you are so gracious to me and us all, and you help us just to learn lessons. So, and, and you're so good that you, you give us time to do that. You give me time 
I mean, God, I don't give you time sometimes. You give me time to change. You give me time to love. You give me time to help. You give me time to learn. And God, I don't give you much time. But Lord, let that be changed. I pray for your people today that there would be, Father, opportunity for them to just allow you to, they would give you time. That they'd see the necessary point. They'd see the importance of that. And they'd swap the necessary things they think are necessary for the really important things. Give priorities, Lord, in their lives to what's important. And that would be to give you that quality time so everything else can flow out of that. Father, we need you in our lives. I mean, part of this service is what that's about, worshipping you. But help us to do this in a part of every day, in a part of every 24-hour period. Lord, help us to be people that would genuinely have authentic Christian faith and not just a show, but actually love you and, and talk to you about life. And not just to change everybody else, but Lord, that you would just continually bring things to bear on our life and help us to be your man and woman. Father, we ask that today in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we give you all the praise and all the honor. And we thank you today because you are good. Strengthen us, Lord, as your people. We need your strength, Lord. We need your, your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And everybody agreed, said? Amen. Can you just remain standing? We're going to take up this morning's tithes and offerings. And I just want to invite those who are doing that to come to the front, please. I just read this verse again to this week, and it says in Isaiah 32.8, it just says, A generous person devises or thinks up generous things, and by generosity that person shall stand. And I love that thought because actually thinking about how I could be generous today, I think it's far better than thinking how I could withhold. How can I get away with withholding more? I don't want that, I don't want that thought. I don't want to live life thinking what I can get. I want to live life thinking what I can give. One of those is giving our time to God. But even this morning with finance, why not think, how much could I actually give God? Because really, it's all His in the first place. And it says those type of people who have that generosity, they'll actually, by generosity, they'll really stand in life. They'll really have, um, they really have a hope in life. They'll really, they'll be earmarked as generous people. There'll be something in them that just, I'm attracted to them because there's just generosity in their lives. They're identified by their generosity. I want to be identified by just being generous. So this morning, as we sing this song, um, let's, uh, let's just give this morning. That'd be great. Let's do that right now. Thank you, your presence. In this freedom, 